You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Listening. Damn. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado, and joined with me, as always, is Beaver Blitz beat writer Jake Hedberg. Jake, how are you? Pretty good, you know, uh, feeling great after a really a great performance uh, yesterday. It, it was, and we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about the game yesterday. We are taping this Monday. We're going live Monday, I should say, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um Last week, you and Carter held down the fort. I was down in Arizona taking my son to college. It was move-in day last week for him. That was that was rough. So, Jake, be nice to your mom because <laughs> it's kind of a rough feeling to, to let your, yeah. your kiddo go. But um, I'm glad you and Carter held it down. It was a great episode. I did catch it. But we have started the regular season. Um, it was a fun weekend of football. Did you watch many games this weekend? Yeah, you know, that's pretty much all I did from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and now carrying into the Clemson game tonight, just five straight days of college football. It's been fun because we're able to watch other Pac-12 teams and, and you know, get home mm-hmm. weekends, it's, it's a little rougher just because, you know, we have uh, all day at Reser and, and trying to get Oregon State stuff done. So it was fun to watch. It was weird having a Sunday game, I, I must say. It was a little strange. Yeah. Um, because we're still doing work today on Monday, which we typically would be already jumping into the next week. But um, all in all, um, I, I just want to give a quick overview of the show. We're going to talk that San Jose State game, recap it, talk about what went well, what we maybe were surprised with. Then we also will talk some UC Davis. Not as much to go off of with that team being a, a big sky opponent, but we will talk. Jake's done some research on them. They took, they played Texas A&M Commerce this past weekend and and completely, I think it was, what was it, 50, 48, 48 to 10. To 10. Yeah. So um, it was a dominating performance, really well coached team with, with Dan Hawkins. Um, but that will be something we'll talk about. We'll talk about some of the other Pac-12 games that we, we did see. Um, we'll kind of give a rundown of, of that. And then we'll go through the mailbag. It looks like there's quite a few questions over in the Logic Beaver Blitz to go through. So it should be a good show. We may have a guest. I keep saying that, um, guys, it's hard with these with these student athletes trying to um, tape this at a time that they don't have meetings or class. Uh, class hasn't started yet, but meetings and, and treatments. So um, I promise you we have, we're working on it. Um, and hopefully one of these days we'll get somebody. It may, may happen today but I, I'm, I have not got confirmation on that. So if it does, we're going to just pop him over and we'll talk some with a, with a student athlete. But let's just jump right into the San Jose State game. Now, Jake, I know you were a little nervous. You, you texted me Sunday morning. Um, I think Beaver fans were a little maybe maybe that cautiously optimistic, but Jake, tell us your, your feelings uh, before the game started. Yeah, you know, I just kind of came into the game or the morning of the game, but just I, I I woke up with a really bad gut feeling. I don't know whether it was the Pac-12 being 11-0 and figuring it's impossible for us to go 12-0 as a conference 
or whether it was just as a pat like in past years uh coming into seasons with a highly anticipated start Oregon State historically has not done well to start out so that was it was a really not a great feeling but I'm glad uh after the first second quarter that that really that was gone fast yeah I, I think it's easy for Beaver fans especially if you've been watching this program for even 20 years to kind of get that feeling of, you know, all the anticipation building. And then especially under some of those coach Riley early season games where Oregon state seemed to play down to an opponent or, or lose games. They shouldn't have lost. You lose all momentum then too, you know, it's the start of the season. Everybody's excited. And then if you start out in a hole, so for Oregon state to come out and, and I, I think it's really important too, because there's been so much peripheral stuff going on with the conference realignment. How, I mean, how focused did you think this team looked yesterday? I think they looked very focused. You know, I thought they were really efficient. Um, there wasn't really a ton of errors. I mean, if you take away the pass interference penalties and the one on sportsmanlike conduct, they played a pretty clean game. Uh, the one exception to that would be the blocked punt. Um, I thought both Oregon State and Washington State, too, came out um, and really just came out and showed the country what they're capable of and that they belong in a power a power four conference. Yeah. It's crazy too, to think about. I know there's been a lot of talk and I've been trying to retweet some things and try to get the word out, but you know, it's, it, it's funny, especially when you look at where Oregon state is across the board in most sports, you know, with baseball. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you look at the competition, even in the big 12, it, you know, Oregon I, state. I, I think if, if you take next year's big 12, if, if, those teams were playing this year and you had Oregon State and Washington State. I think Oregon State wins that conference in football and baseball, which to me it's kind of mind-boggling that a program that's talented enough to really compete at that high level isn't getting the recognition, if that makes sense, uh, in that aspect. Yeah, so nothing new to really report um, on the realignment front. There's, you know, the talk of, Kind of the reverse Mountain West, um, where Oregon, or Oregon State, Washington State would absorb some of those teams. Um, there's some talk about potentially going independent for two years because there is a two-year buffer, and, and having Oregon State, Washington State be that pack, the pack two basically, and, and then trying to schedule some not out of conference games and, until they could potentially land into a, a better home. So stay tuned. Things happen. What we found is things can change very quickly, and. Um, so stay tuned with that. The, the thing I thought was funny was one of the the, the Twitter or X or whatever um, guys that's been kind of all over this, he's a Big 12 guy, has said that the Big 12 was not going to look at westward expansion because they had their sights set on Clemson and Florida State. That made me laugh out loud because yeah, Clemson I and Florida State are not going to the Big 12. Yeah, I think for Clemson and Florida State, there's a, there, I, I do think they will not be in the ACC for very much longer, but I do not think it'll be in the Big 12. I think there will be going to the SEC or the Big 10. Yeah, yeah. So this is not, we're not going to continue, you know, we're this, we just want to kind of talk a little bit about that real quick. But let's talk San Jose State. Good show of Beaver fans there, but I'm excited to mm -hmm. see what, what the home crowd looks like the next couple of weeks in Corvallis. Let's just start off with what went well, in your opinion. I mean, really the passing game. Um, that was kind of a question for some people after you know, last season, the passing game had its struggles and really DJ Uyungle came out and he really blew my expectations out of the water. You know, I, I, 
I knew what DJ was capable of, but I didn't think he performed at that high of a level in his in his first start. And I think in large part that's due to the offensive line, who had a fantastic game. Uh, Tanner Miller, especially the right guard, he had a fantastic showing. Um, the secondary as well. That was the other question mark. And if you look at the box score, the starting five, that they held Chevin Cordero to 143 yards and no touchdowns a week after he threw for 200 yards and three scores against the top 10 USC team. Yeah, so that was yeah. really – that was great to see. It was. And like you said, give a huge shout-out to that offensive line because I agree. I thought DJ looked – what I love to see is the poise. There yeah, was no happy feet, poised. no dancing. But he also really wasn't under pressure. I think they had one sack on him, but and uh, that wasn't even on the line. Like no. looking back, that was a Damian Martinez his assignment. And watching that play, DJ very well could have pitched the ball there. Like he was very close to. He just yeah, it was. Yeah. The offensive line was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and that, that long throw to Jeremiah Noga that that thirty. Yeah. I think it was a thirty. It was thirty one. Thirty one, but it was kind of a lot longer than that when you look at where it was in the end zone. Um, he had all day. I mean, that was, yeah. that was incredible, but yeah. the, the poise there was, was unreal. And so I, I think the, the future looks bright. He is the, um, let's see, five touchdowns is he's the first Beaver quarterback since 1996 to, to account for five touchdowns in his, um, in the same game. Wow. So he threw that's, for three rush for two um, just, I think this offense is going to be so much more dynamic. Um, yeah, that was another one of my like bigger takeaways is now Oregon State's really two-dimensional. They have a quarterback that can push the ball downfield. You know, we saw three touchdowns of 20-plus yards – or, excuse me, two touchdown passes of 20-plus yards, whereas last year I don't know how many of those we had. Um, but I don't think we had two in a game after Ben Gobranson took over. And if you combine that with the run game, it could be a special offense. Well, I almost I, I'm going it's three dimensional now because now we have a deep threat passing game. Yeah. You have your your run game, but then you bring the the variability that DJ can run, and yeah. that's um, you and know another. I think element. you're going to see more. Yeah, and I really do think you're going to see more of that throughout the season. I thought they kind of kept the playbook uh, kind of vanilla. You know, I'm expecting that for next weekend in the San Diego State game as well. But I would expect to see DJ run the ball a lot more as the season progresses. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was a very um, – defense especially, very base um, – the base, base mm -hmm. packages. Offense was very base, basic. So um, offensive line blocking was another one of my areas I thought went really well. Yeah. It was expected. Um, how did you think the run blocking went, though? I mean, I thought they did good, you know. Uh, it does help having a back like Damian Martinez who can go out and – get you an extra seven yards after he's touched. But, uh, I mean, anytime you rush for almost 200 yards, that's a solid blocking performance. Let, let's, I mean, I'm going to flip that script a little bit, too, because Oregon State – so against USC, San Jose State rushed for 198. Okay, so almost 200 yards. Against the Beavs, it was 56 yards. So flipping it over to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. That was – incredible to see um i know there's yeah. been some talk that that beaver fans were upset that they didn't feel that the pass rush was there uh what are your thoughts there yeah you know today at the press conference jonathan smith said there was less uh there was less of a desire to so much pressure the quarterback as contain him so a big part of their game plan was to keep chevin cordero who was a very mobile quarterback in the pocket 
keep them from breaking those big chunk plays. And I think they did that. They held them to 26 yards on seven carries. And Oregon State still had three sacks. Uh, John McCartan had two, which doubled his total from last year. And then Corey Stover also had a sack as well. So for if the fans are frustrated, that was just three sacks. That's three sacks in one game. That's a solid effort. Um, and that really wasn't with as much emphasis on the pass rush as well. So I think you'll start to see those numbers go up over the next couple weekends. Yeah, very vanilla, again, base base offense or defense that they played. And you're exactly right. This was a, a, a plan that was not to necessarily pressure the yeah. quarterback. It was to contain and, and stay in their lanes. And they did that. They they were yeah. assignment sound, um, keep him contained, and they did their job. So um, I, not every game is going to be, you know, mm -hmm. sack fest. Yeah, I mean, I feel like one thing fans should know is Trent Bray is – a great coach and he's going to game plan. And that's exactly what the game plan was, was to contain him, not pressure him so much. And Oregon State really just went out and executed that very well. Okay. So the other area that I actually thought went really well, um, and I'm anxious to hear what your thoughts are, because we haven't talked about this is secondary. And there was a huge, yeah. a lot of questions heading into the season about that young or not young, but a little more inexperienced. Tell me about your thoughts on that secondary. Yeah, I thought the first group did fantastic. Uh, the second group towards the end of the game, they kind of got picked apart. Um, but a lot of those guys are younger, and four out of those five guys were playing their real, like, first Division One football. And then another one was Alton Julian, who, had, who was playing for the first time in two years. So that was to be expected, those rough spots with the second group. But the, fir the, the first group really impressed me. Um, Jaden Robinson and Achille Arnold, I both thought, had great games. Uh, Tyrese Ivey did have those three pass interferences, I believe. He had four. Three. He had four. He did have four, yeah. Um, but again, I'd rather have a corner be physical than one who gets who gets burnt for a bunch of touchdowns. And we've seen Oregon State corners at the start of the, the season come out and struggle with, you know, being a little too physical, being a little handsy almost, but then throughout the season develop and kind of cut those penalties out. So I'm hopeful that Tyrese Ivey can – get that straightened out. I thought a couple of those calls were kind of nitpicky yeah. too. The, the last one in particular I thought was a little ticky-tacky. I don't know if that ball was catchable, and I, I really didn't think Tyrese really uh, interfered with the play that much. Can we talk about Jaden Robinson for a minute? Yeah. Talk about a kid that uh, has stuck with it, and he had a great game. I mean, three passes broken up, is it's that's very impressive, and he only allowed two catches as well. So yeah, yeah. they, they targeted him. I think, was it, it was seven nine times. times, seven times. And, and he allowed five or he defended five of them. So um, yeah, amazing effort by him. Um, and then got to give a shout out to, to Jermaud McCoy, one of those young yeah. guys you mentioned um, who came in and there were, there were two plays. I, we had some friends over watching the game here, two plays on defense that made the entire room stop and go, Whoa, First was James Rawls down the field, batting a ball yeah. down. And, and the, it was funny because everybody was like, wait. And I was like, that was James Rawls. He's a D lineman. <laughs> and then the, the next one was Jermaud McCoy, just basically just punching that ball out yeah. of the air. Jermaud's a kid that really had a great camp. And I, I do think he's going to start to see more and more time as the season progresses. And he's going to be a good one. How about we, we did get to see our first glimpse of Aiden Childs? Yeah. <laughs> uh, going to be good. Yeah, I came away very impressed with that. Um, I, I was, 
you know, I was a little surprised to see him in there over Gobranson, just due to the fact that Gobranson's more experienced. I'm not complaining about it. I was really hopeful that Aiden would get time, and he looked well. I mean, he almost threw a touchdown pass. He, I think, if he led Jack Valley in a touch more, that's another touchdown. Um, and you know, he also sh- showed up. I, th- I thought really good confidence for a younger kid. He's still 17 playing against – I mean, he still should be a high school senior, and he's out there competing at the highest level, essentially. It's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like I said, DJ and him, two very, very special quarterbacks. So yeah. enjoy, enjoy watching those guys. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what else. What – okay, so special teams, we already you know alluded to the, the blocks – Block kick there. That's something that can get cleaned up. What else do you want to see get cleaned up? Yeah, the one thing is those pass interference penalties. Those are, you know, it, it was earlier in the season. Those penalties are bound to happen. But uh, anytime a player gets flagged for that many, it's kind of uh, not ideal. But I, I'm confident in Tyrese's ability to get that straightened out. Um, the other thing I was a little surprised to see was you, you know, I, I felt there was a very clear one-two at running back. I was expecting a little, uh, some more rotation. Really, until that 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 last drive, it was like Damian Martinez had 18 carries and Deshaun Fennell had four. Yeah. And I figured it'd be more like Damian 16, Fenwick 10, Isaiah Newell 5. But we didn't see any Isaiah Newell in terms of running the ball. Very little of Deshaun Fenwick, but a whole lot of Damian Martinez and – that was interesting to see. I mean, th- yeah. throughout yeah. fall camp, it looked evident like all three of those guys were going to see time, where in reality it was really just Dame. Were you surprised? I mean, Damian Martinez, I felt quietly racked up 145 yards. Yeah. <laughs> but he had to work really hard for all those. Were you surprised by that, especially after – I think – and I saw on Twitter too, you know, I think it was Gabe Miller, former Oregon yeah. State player, had, I saw had that just said well. that, mm-hmm. you know, that – and I think he set the bar so high, especially when you looked at Civil War last year, that like it was like a hot knife through butter the way he ran. Yeah. How did I mean? Like I said, 145 yards is is nothing to to sneeze at, but it, it felt like all those yards came kind of hard. Yeah, you know, uh, I thought Dame had a lot of um, yards after contact. I thought he got hit, and you know, just being such a big and explosive back, he's he's a tough guy to tackle. I mean, he's 230 pounds. Um, he still averaged eight yards a carry though, which to me is that's almost a first down every time he touches the ball. Obviously you don't want to see your starting running back get hit behind the line, even though he is still fighting his way to get a chunk of yardage. Um, so I do, I, I am hopeful that, you know, those hits behind the backfield kind of get cleaned up. And I do think San Jose State had an advantage there having played their first game. They kind of got those kinks out, you know, while, while I was, any team that plays the first game, you're going to be a little rusty to start off. So I, th- I think that'll clean up throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. I, if you, and if you do, if you're listening, um, make sure you, you know, in the comments, throw a comment in. And um, we actually have one right now, Connor Johnson. I'm going to pop it over on the screen. Fenwick has gotten better at patience from his limited work. He wasn't just putting his head down and going straight downhill. Very good development. I agree. I, I noticed that as well. Um. Front seven. Did you expect more from, from Oregon State's front seven? I mean, not really. You know, I, I thought they performed at a high level. Um, there Again, the, the, 
their, their game plan, there wasn't as much pressure Cordero as it was contain him. And I thought they did a great job at that. I thought the defensive line, anytime you hold an opponent to two and a half yards, I mean, that's a, that's a win in my book. Um, you know, and again, the running back, uh, Conley, he had 108 yards on six carries against the USC defense, whereas he had 34 on 11 uh, on Sunday. So that's that's promising to me to see, you know, how Oregon State compared to SC. I thought Oregon State outplayed San Jose State better than SC did, um, which is – that's promising to see from from the, the first game. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think that – and the other thing, too, to consider is San Jose State was playing their home field against Oregon State. Yeah, which is another aspect. Still yeah. um, was able to – and you're right. Um, I think it was Coach Erickson that used to say that some of the best improvement happens from game one to game two. Yeah. And so you have San Jose State – you played sports. You played football. Do you did you think this was a, a a benefit that Oregon State was playing against a team that had already played, or because they had film, or do you think it was actually a benefit to San Jose State because they kind of yeah. knocked the rust off? I mean, for me, it's so hard to pick just because of how crucial f- film is to have. You know, Oregon State had the personnel, they had the scheme, whereas I mean, the Spartans really had nothing on Oregon State just because of how. It, in terms of what DJ adds to the offense, it, it's really a different offense than it was in 2022. But again, there's nothing like going out and playing a game, you know, facing someone other than your own teammates. So if to, to me, it's, it's, it's impossible to figure out which one's better. To me, it's just a 50, 50 split. There's a clear advantage. There's a cleared, a cleared, a cleared disadvantage. So we haven't talked about middle linebackers at all. So Easton Masperinus basically played the entire game. Makaya Tung got a lot of, of minutes. What what'd you think of those guys in the middle? Yeah, I mean, uh, this morning, taking a, a look at the snap counts, it was interesting, you know. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how much Tung played in compared to John Miller, whereas in camp it was more Calvin Hart and John Miller working off at that second spot. Makaya Tung played – more than double the number of snaps as John Miller, which was interesting to me. Uh, I thought Calvin Hart in particular had a really good game. He uh, impressed me. Uh, he was a little banged up. He had a stinger, but Coach Smith said this morning that he is expecting uh, Calvin to be full go for Saturday's game. And then I thought Mascarenas again, he's a, t- a very talented kid. Um, I think throughout the season, you're just going to see him get better and better as he adjusts to a starting role. Rather, rather than just a rotational role. Um, and I thought the backers did good. They helped stop the run. They didn't really give up any big pass plays. Uh, there was the one play to Conley, I believe it was, on the screen that John Miller, uh, he barely missed a tackle. But outside of that, um, I thought they had a very clear game. You know, I'm excited to see too. And I, I think it's a matter of time before we see, you know, Melvin Jordan or Isaiah yeah. Chisholm get, yeah. get, get some run too. Jordan got some time on kickoff. I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't see Chisholm. He may have played. Um, I didn't see I didn't him see either. Him but I think. I think. I think it's a matter of time before we see those guys. Uh, agreed. I mean, I know Chisholm's a guy the coaching staff loves. Jordan was a highly touted kid. You know, he had a great offer list, and he played a little bit towards the end of last year. Um, I think those two are the future uh, at that spot for sure. Yeah. Um, Connor Johnson in a chat. Thanks for, for giving us some comments here. He said that the backup defensive lineman in the fourth quarter was actually getting a massive push and that Quincy Wright is a tank. Yeah. I mean, that was really good to see those, that fresh, the redshirt freshman and freshman group with uh, Takari Hickel, 
Quincy Wright and Thomas Collins. It was good to see all three of those guys, uh, all three of those guys play because they were all super impressive in camp. And now they got they had the opportunity to go and show it uh, during the game. And I thought they did a great job pressuring the quarterback. I mean, they didn't really run the ball when uh, Jay Butterfield was playing quarterback. It was more of a throwing. But uh, I thought the running back, I thought the the front three up there really. I thought they had a great job. Butterfield was actually pretty impressive because he did not impress me when I saw him at Oregon. But yeah, I don't know how much of that was going up against our our backup secondary. Um, but there was he definitely was able to push the ball downfield better than Cordero was yesterday. So I'm going to take we're going to take a quick break um, before we jump in and start talking about UC Davis. Um, I do want to just remind our listeners that um, Beaver Blitz is the place to go for all of your Oregon State recruiting and football analysis, basketball and baseball as well. Um, lots of great new content we're adding daily and uh, the message board. That is the go to spot. We are offering 50% off. I believe today is the last day. And that is for upgrades as well. 50% off an annual. So if you are on a month-to-month plan, go ahead and upgrade and get yourself 50% off. It is a great deal. And if you're watching us live, you're still going to see us. We're just taking a break for the podcast. Um, And we'll be back in just a second to talk a little bit about UC Davis. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, welcome back to the damn podcast. We are, we just finished up talking about Oregon State's game one win, 47 to 7, no, 42 to 17 win over San Jose State. Now, Oregon State returns home for the home opener against UC Davis, a big sky conference team coached by Dan Hawkins, who many of you guys will remember from his days coaching at Boise State. Um, Jake, what is your early, just kind of the 10,000 foot level of UC Davis? Yeah, I mean, this is a good FCS program. They're ranked in the top 25 there. experienced quarterback in miles hastings he was uh i want to see his first team all conference pick for quarterback heading into the season um lost their running back a thousand yard back but you know they had two guys come out and really carried the load against texas a&m commerce they both i know one went for 109 and three touchdowns and another back was close to 100 as well um I haven't gotten the opportunity to, you know, watch that game yet, but I plan on doing that. So hopefully I'll have a better knowledge and understanding of their schemes and personnels after that. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I mean, typically big sky teams are just a little bit smaller. 
Um, but still going to be a, a very well-coached team. They did uh, beat Texas A&M Commerce 48-10 to 10, um, on Saturday. Um, it's, it's hard to, you know, read too much into this. But I hope Oregon State brings it. I hope fans are there um, in, in mass and uh, break in that new stadium. So, yeah, Miles Hastings is uh, against the A&M Commerce he was uh, 23 of 31 for 251 yards, two interceptions, one touchdown. Um, and wide receiver, they were led by Trent Tompkins with seven catches for 73 yards. So um, we'll have more through the week. Um, like I said, big sky opponents are a little tougher just because there's no 24-7 sites that we can um, rely on. But I want to talk to a little bit um, about the Pac-12 games that we saw because it's never too yeah. early to kind of break down some film on, on what we saw from, from a, the Pac-12 opponent. Jake, did you watch most of those games? Yeah, uh, I caught all of the Colorado game, um, all of the Washington game. I caught most of the Coastal Carolina UCLA game. I watched the first USC game um, and the Utah game as well. Okay, so let's let's just jump in with that first, that Colorado game. Because... <laughs> We've heard, we've all heard this hype, Coach Prime hype. What were your thoughts? I mean, they look good, but I yeah. do think they showed a lot. That was not a vanilla performance. Um, but what are your thoughts? What are your your quick thoughts on on Colorado Buffaloes? Real deal or not completely sold yet? Yeah. Well, first off, um, uh, I, I I think I was wrong about this team to an extent. You know, coming in the season, I was thinking Colorado would be a two or three win team. And I, I wasn't really buying the whole coach prime hype, at least in year one, but I thought they came out and really played a fantastic game. Um, I'm still not completely sold as in a national title contender, but I think after uh, game one, I think it's evident that they should be a bowl team um, in some capacity where that's seven and five, eight and four. But uh, I came away really impressed with their skill players, Travis Hunter, Dylan Edwards, and then the two South Florida transfers in Horn and Xavier Weaver. But I I do feel like their defense still has some weak spots outside of the secondary. I feel like a team like Oregon State in particular, uh, a team like Oregon, Utah teams that like to run the ball, um, I feel like that front seven still may be a little suspect. You know, uh, the TCU back, Imani Bailey, had uh, around 150 yards on not a whole lot of carries. Um, granted, he did have a big chunk play. Um, but overall, I was impressed. Um, Shador Sanders, I thought, had a great game. You know, pretty impressive for a kid to come out and break a score record in passing yards in his first career start. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, Connor actually said he 3-0 <laughs> heading in to start, which I'm looking at their schedule right now. They had TCU, they have Nebraska this week, then Colorado State. Yeah. But then I – they have Oregon, oh, yeah. SC, and then they go ASU, Stanford. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't see everything I saw from Nebraska. There's Their offense still looks stagnant. So I, I I see Colorado winning that game by two to three scores. Okay. So Arizona took on NAU. Did you catch any of that one? I did. Uh, I looked over the box score. Uh, takeaway from that is Jaden Delora um, still doing Jaden. The Delora things. I thought their skill positions all played well. Um, you really can't read too much into that due to being a, against a big sky team. Um, yeah. ASU, um, they played Friday night. Southern 
Thursday in Southern Utah. Thursday, and they had the the haboob and the monsoon the come bowl. through. Yeah, um, that actually got kind of my my son. I told you, down in Phoenix, mm -hmm. and yeah, he sent us a little video from campus where it was like super windy and, and thunderstorms. But they think they finished at two in the morning, and they only won by three. Yeah. So those Sun Devils, of course, Oregon State misses them. Year this one year. for Kenny Dillingham. I I I don't think they were going to be a bowl team anyway before their whole ban. And I think after week one, I I think they're my last in the Pac-12 at the yeah. moment. Yeah, big of them to say they're going to take a bowl ban the year that they know they're going <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh, that was a – that's a, a nice one. So Cal took on the mean green of North Texas. They, they looked Cal-like. Yeah, Cal – can't remember the last time Cal scored 58 points. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, their offense actually looked pretty decent. Um, I, picked North, I picked North Texas to win that game. Uh, I wasn't sold on Cal – but with uh, Jade Na and Isaiah Ifonsa, the, the Montana State transfer, they just ran all over North Texas. So Yeah, no, it's going to be – they're going to be improved. I just don't see them being in the upper echelon of, mm -hmm. of Pac-12. Oregon playing Portland State. You can't read too much in that. You can't read too uh, much into it. Um, oh, I, I didn't – oh. <laughs> I'm looking at the comments. No worries, Connor. It's funny. It's funny. Um Okay, Oregon State, San Jose. Okay, so Stanford played Hawaii. Yeah. I actually had thought Hawaii was going to win that game. I picked Hawaii in our Beaver Blitz pick them to win. Um, I stuck with Stanford. Uh, I was surprised Stanford threw the ball as well as they did. You know, um, their quarterback, uh, Ashton Daniels, last year he was like a, a Jack Coletto, like wildcat type guy. He didn't throw the ball a whole ton for them. And he, he, he looked sharp. You know, I thought they were going to rely heavily on – on guys like Casey Falcons and Smith to run the ball. But uh and then the one impression I had is that tight end is legit. Uh Benjamin yeah, yeah. I think it's Urasek. Yeah. Oregon State like offered that. him back when he was a prep. He was I, I laughed yeah. at that was I mean they liked him and they liked um Bowers, who's at Georgia. Brock uh, yeah. yeah I, I remember so, that one. That would be um, nice have. And UCLA, Dante Moore, real deal. Yeah, I think they got their guy, you know uh they went with garbers the experienced guy with the start but it's evident that dante moore he comes out throws two big touchdowns um i think he should start every one of their games if they want to compete at a higher level but really i don't think ucla looked all that great um I mean, they were sloppy they had three interceptions um, granted chip kelly's a pretty good coach so i i feel like that'll that's that will be a situation that resolves itself but don't, but don't, it's not the way you kind of feel about Chip Kelly at UCLA lately anyway, is that they're kind of just sloppy and kind of go through the motions. Yeah. I, f I feel like the Chip Kelly offense has not run its course, but teams have adjusted to it yeah. and it's become more of a norm and just teams with better athletes and really better coaching to the extent, like not that Kelly's not a good coach, but there are better coaches out there and, that they're running it, it it just takes away the. Yeah, it's the, it's the novelties. Yeah, the novelty mm -hmm. is not there anymore because yeah, yeah they. Um, okay, SC played game two against Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> All I, I'm not impressed with their defense. No, I'm not impressed with their their defense at all. But they're gonna put up points. Uh, Caleb Williams, he might be the best college quarterback I've ever seen. He's incredible. Um, it, to me, it's re it's remarkable that Oregon State held a player of his caliber to less than 50% completion percentage, 
think he only had one touchdown pass, and they still lost the game, which is that game was so frustrating. Can you imagine? Okay, I'm going to play the what if game. If <laughs> Oregon State had DJ yeah. last year, what they would have beat USC and, and Washington. Washington. I think, and I think that game against Utah is a whole lot closer because I mean it was close in the first half, but then the turnovers it got away from them. I, I'm not saying we necessarily win that game. I still think Utah probably was better than us last year, but with a, but with co- like competent quarterback play, it is it does make you think about the what ifs of the 2022 the season. Yeah. Okay, but we can't live in the what ifs. We're still in we're in the here and now. Utah. Did you you, you had yeah. to watch the Utah yeah. Florida game? I caught I caught the first half and then I uh I ran over to the West Westland game to talk to some of the uh guys that the Beavs are, are checking out. But um I came away impressed. You know, they did a great job stopping the run. Uh, their secondary did look a little suspect to me. Um, Graham Mertz is not really a great quarterback, and he still f- threw for 335 yards on them. Um, Bryson Barnes held his own. You know that f- first play was, I mean that, that was uh, that was electric. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much better they are once their starters come back. I think I read they're missing eight of their guys, which is a lot. Um, I I do hope that. Utah's at full strength when Oregon State plays them just for that resume booster. I hope they're 4-0, fully healthy, coming into a packed Beaver Stadium on September 29th. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick um, break from this because our guest showed up. So we're going to add Jake Overman, tight end from Oregon State Beavers, to our stream. Jake, can you hear us? Yes. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We are good. good. Thank you for joining us. So how... We're just going to, we don't want to take a ton of your time, but I want to hear what it's like after a win for you guys. Yeah, a win is obviously uh, the goal. So when we achieve that goal, I think the whole team feels really accomplished. Um, and I think the energy in the locker room is really good. It gives us momentum heading into the to the next week. So I think that's that's where our minds are right now. We're ready for UC Davis, and I think we're headed in with a good mindset. Talk about the leaders. I know you're one of the leaders on this team. How are you guys and the other leaders really kind of keeping this squad focused game by game and not letting either get ahead and look ahead at the at the schedule like you know Jake and I do, um, and and also keep the periphery of the whole realignment and things out of your out of your mind. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're asking about leaders on the team, but I think it really starts with with our with our number one leader and that's coach smith you know and i think he's done a really good job of of keeping our team focused um it's always been a, a thing for us to just stay focused on on the here and now and and like like i said that's uc davis so there's a lot going on but we're really focused on this season and more importantly this week that's ahead of us uh, so yeah that's that's kind of what we've been doing coach smith has done a good job and it's kind of trickled down to all of us uh yeah. leaders. okay so that's that's a good lead-in because I've covered this team for a long time. And when coach Smith came in, it, the culture wasn't there. Um, there were a lot of guys that just kind of frankly didn't like football anymore. It was kind of, they were questioning whether they wanted to be. Now you feel, I feel like Oregon state is to a place where the players love being where they're at. They love Corvallis. They love what coach Smith has built. Coach Smith from the exterior seems like a very um, non-emotional guy. 
Is is he even keel like that? Does he show you guys any fire? You know, I, I know he's super competitive, but you know, what's he like maybe behind closed doors? Yeah, Coach Smith is a super level-headed guy, like you guys see, um, but he definitely can get the team going if need be. You know, I think he puts it a lot on our on our leaders on the team to get that going. We want to be one of the biggest things that we talk about is being a a team, uh, our leaders within the locker room. You know, we want to be a our captains being the dudes who are taking our team on and leading us day in and day out. So he really gives that uh, role to us players. But yeah, no, he'll get us going. You know, Friday nights he gives us a nice talk. He talks up to us throughout the week. But really, when Saturday rolls around, he lets us go do our thing and play freely. And I think that's a I think that's the best way to do it personally. I think that helps guys, you know, stay in the zone and kind of be able to. Stay focused on the task at hand. Jake, you got some questions? Yeah. Um, what are the biggest differences in this year's tight end room compared to last year's, you know, like just off the top of your – yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we have a lot of new faces, um, and we're, we're kind of going about it in a new way, which I think is awesome. I think we have a lot of talent in the room, um, starting all the way from older guys like myself and to guys who are just first year in, like uh, we got Jermaine Terry and we got Riley Sharp, who both made an impact in the game yesterday, as I'm sure you guys saw. So, um, and then obviously dudes like Jack Velling, who now is his second year and he's making a big impact from the get. So I think um, overall our tight end room is super deep. We have a lot of talent. And I think you guys have been able to see the differences. Just we have a lot of depth this year. And I think the tight end room is stronger than it's ever been. And I think that our tight end room can – can go, go up against those really big, strong tight end rooms that you see across the nation. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you look at it too, and, and it's not, I mean, I think you kind of, you know, you maybe are looked at as more of a blocking tight end, but yet you can go out and, and catch passes, just, you know, a Jack Belling. Um, talk a little bit about the new quarterback, you know, and, and I mean, you have you know, DJ who had an amazing, amazing first game, but a lot of that came from the O-line and, the tight ends blocking for him. Um, how much is it? Do you enjoy blocking or, or going for one of these quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, as as a tight end, it's it's our job to obviously to block as well as catch. And yeah, as you said, I'm I'm majority um, spending my time majority in the run game or or pass blocking, and it's awesome. You know, having a quarterback, whether it's DJ Ben or Aiden, whoever's behind us, we want to do all we can to to protect those guys and give them the uh, opportunity to make plays. And I think DJ was able to go out and make plays. And yeah, that's a huge hats off to not only him, but our offensive line as well, giving him the time uh, to be able to go and show off what he can do. So um, what's the presence that, you know, DJ brings to the locker room, the facility and all that stuff. Yeah, he's a super humble dude, I'd say. That's that's kind of my first impression of him is he kind of just gets his business done. He's not extremely vocal. Uh, he leads by example for sure. But uh, when he does need to get the offense going, you know, he'll uh, kind of say something. And I, I look at dudes like him who don't really say much. So when they do say something, you know, everybody listens. And I kind of see him as that. And his presence is, is definitely known as he's uh, coming out on the field with us or in the locker room or weight room or on the field, whatever it is. So one thing I saw during fall camp was just really a maybe a um, better presence from the defensive line. What is it like going against those guys and how much of an improvement have you seen over the past maybe two years from that defensive front? 
Yeah, I think our defensive line has changed dramatically, you know, as you said, over the last two years. And they're, they're getting us better every single day. I mean, we, we talk. I'm super good friends with a lot of those dudes. So off the field, we talk a bunch. And and hearing the comments and, and what they think about us, and then we're kind of saying, hey, if you do this, it might work better. And they're telling us, hey, I can tell, you know, you're pass blocking or I can tell you're going out on a route. So we've been able to kind of get each, each other better and um, – and, and work on each other's tools. And yeah, they've been they've been a really strong group for us. I mean, as you saw yesterday, we got dudes like John McCartan and Nusi, and and then we got, you know, guys like Isaac Hodgins who have been here for a while. And and then you saw some new faces out there as well making plays. So I think we have a lot of depth. I think that size is coming in, which we kind of lacked in the past. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm super confident with those guys in the game at any moment. No, they the whole team's really taken some steps forward. Okay, last one for me. I just want to what is your day, because this was a day off for you, or did you guys have to work because it's a Saturday game now? So, yeah, I mean, usually we would have a Monday as, as a day off, and we kind of just go in, get some treatment, um, watch some film, and start moving on to the next week. But because and – we, and then we use a Sunday to kind of review the game. But because we played on, on Sunday, we kind of just moved on from San Jose State. And we said, you know, good job, good win, stuff to correct, but uh, we got to move on. We don't really have a choice, so we're moving on. So, yeah, today was um, an off day for us, but the whole team's in the facility getting around each other, getting treatment, getting our body moving, so we're ready to go tomorrow as we move on for UC Davis. Awesome. Jake, you have anything else? Uh, I got one more. Uh, Go-to spot for food in Corvallis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, shoot, there's a bunch of good places during season. Uh, we're eating a bunch at the facility, so I, I don't really get that much time. But in the off season, I was I found myself eating at Block 15 uh, majority of my off days. I just yeah, I think they got good wings. They got a good chicken sandwich. So those are my go to uh, okay. go to meal from Block 15. Okay, get an nil deal. We need Block 15 <laughs> to get an nil deal for Jake Overman. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> awesome well jake hey thank you on behalf of everyone watching beaver blitz and uh the damn podcast thank you for joining us today yeah of course thank you guys so much for having me thank you have a great day you too bye guys okay look at that Woo we had we had a, our first guest it worked just kind of we had to like jump but that's fine very fun. I love hearing from the players and kind of getting them and, and getting to pick their brain a little bit. We hope to do more. So, um, and just so everybody knows, we are actually running this through NIL. So I am using open doors as a way to get these guys scheduled. Um, and so, yes, happy to help um, with the NIL deal. And um, I think it brings a lot to our fan base and our members as well. So, um, that is my plan going forward, and uh, we'll do the best we can, again, with their busy schedules. So, okay, where did we left off at Utah, I believe? Yes. We were Utah talking Utah State. Gators. Yeah. Were you surprised by their quarterback play? You know, um, Bryson Barnes is a guy that had played a lot of football. Even though he is a walk-on, he started in the Rose Bowl. Uh, or he played in the Rose Bowl in 2021 and 2022. So he's been a guy that's played football at a high level. Um, and I think he came out from the start and he, I thought he looked poised. You know, he made one mistake, but outside of that, I thought he played a relatively clean game. And then Johnson, the quarterback, I remember Oregon State was recruiting him pretty hard, uh, if I'm remembering right. And I, I thought him with his legs, that kind of adds a whole new dynamic uh, 
kind of reminds me of Tyler Huntley in that ability because Tyler Huntley was a Utah quarterback that could really run the ball. Uh, Travis Wilson as well. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how that'll translate to the Oregon State game if Cam Rising isn't healthy, whether they go with uh, Johnson more just because he just just because typically Oregon State does struggle more with those scramble or type quarterbacks. Um, but again, odds are Rising will probably be back for that game. Now the last couple we have Washington, Boise State. Caught some of that. Um, Washington, Washington's offense is dynamic. Yeah, yeah, like, very dynamic. I think Michael Penix is a top three quarterback in the country. I think, um, but not as good as Kate Williams. No, for me right now, after week one, I got Caleb. Okay. Caleb Williams one, um, Jordan Travis from Florida State two, and then. Michael Penix three at the moment. At the moment. Okay. Okay. Um, and then Washington state, they beat um, yeah. Colorado state. Yeah. He, I mean, for every game this year, except September 23rd, I'm a Washington state fan. Um, so I was glad to see them go out uh, and really dominate uh, a mountain West team kind of show that we shouldn't be playing this caliber of team Qu- quite frankly, in the same way that Oregon state did yeah. um, on the road was, too. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to to Mike Parker about this uh, this this morning before uh, Coach Smith's press conference, but Cam Ward looked much more comfortable, and he's a guy that's shown at the FCS level that he is a great player. And while his debut season at Wazoo was kind of filled with up and downs, if he can perform to that level he played at uh, on Saturday, then the Cougars are going to be a tough out. So, just based off the body of evidence that we saw this week one week. Zero week week one. Who are you most? I'm going to say most excited to see the Oregon State Beavers play, but meaning because it's going to be a really really tough game. I mean, still probably Utah. Utah. But in terms of like straight excitement for what I think will be a fun game, I feel like you can go anywhere else but Colorado, just because <laughs> it's a team so full of like big time like explosive players. Um, and I think that'll be a high-scoring game. I think Oregon State uh, and Colorado may not be the Mets' best matchup with Colorado's athletes. They may be able to out-athlete us in some aspects. But, again, I still feel like that front seven is very suspect. And I could see Damian Martinez running all through Colorado on that uh, uh, during that game. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Utah is the one, but that's also the most recent. I'm excited mm-hmm. to play Washington State. Yeah, um, and I wish just because. Oh, look at we got Carter. Yeah, Carter Baines just stopped by the podcast, and he says, "Oh wait, sorry, hang on, that's the wrong one." I we, we're getting comments way too fast. Um, Carter says, just stopping by to say that this offensive line is legit. Yes, Carter. Yeah, very legit. legit. Um, yeah, Utah, I I think is going to be super fun. Washington State, I'm excited just because. I think both fan bases are just excited. Mm-hmm. Um, to I think that's together. gonna be. A, I think that's gonna be a good game too. I think. I do too. I think it. It maybe, outside of Oregon, the toughest road game on Oregon State schedule. You know, it could consider to be. It could be considered a trap game with that, big time matchup looming uh, on the on, that next Friday. Um, so Oregon State can't come in too comfortable because this Washington State team will score points. Yes. Okay, we are gonna jump. We are. 
we I I was kind of worried we wouldn't have enough to talk about, but with Jake coming in and now our damn podcast or uh, damn questions, um, we've got quite a few actually in the lodge. So uh, Shaka from five hundred three wants to know if there's any news on Hart. Um, it was just a stinger, right? I, yes. Uh, during Coach Smith's press conference, he said Calvin has uh, a stinger. He probably could have gone back into the game um, if it wasn't at that point unnecessary to put him in. And he's expected to be full go, full go for uh, UC Davis on Saturday. Okay. JRU said Aiden Childs. I think he will be really good. So my question, do you think they will redshirt him since they don't know if he would transfer or because he will leave for the NFL after three years? Or does he have to be a certain age to go to the NFL like baseball? Um, uh, it's just the, the, the just three years. So yeah, this three it's years. not age. So he's going to play. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, if, if you would have asked us this a couple months ago, I thought you might've been more likely to see him red shirt, but now with all the uncertainty, I feel like Oregon state's got kind of got to put all their eggs in the same basket. And yeah. Just I, mean, I think I, I would be surprised too. If a lot of guys, if they just play him when, yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, it is better than now with the transfer portal is kind mm -hmm. of irrelevant. Kinda, I mean, yeah. It's, like um, nowadays, especially at like the bigger programs, I feel like it's yeah. more rare for kids to redshirt than like, like, like Georgia's and Alabama's and those schools. I feel like you see a ton of true freshmen out there playing. Yeah. I mean, they just, you got to get them some minutes. So, um, JR, you said his play of the game was Rawls pass breakup. I missed this earlier. Game ball. Who does your game ball go to? I feel like. You gotta give it to D to DJU just because I mean he played f really out of his mind and it, and it was a great first start. Um, honorable mention goes to that entire offensive line because I don't know that DJ gets that done without you know being able to you know do the dishes, clean the floors, and then throw a thirty-yard touchdown pass. Um, but. I just feel like you got to give it to a guy coming to his first game at that or his first game after an up and down tenure at Clemson really just come out and prove all the doubters wrong. Yeah. Um, okay. Reeser beef has a couple. We're going to just grab a couple here. What will it take for OSU conference wise to keep the majority of our staff and players for the 2024 season and beyond? For me, uh, I would go big 12. I mean, there's really no way of, knowing just because we aren't the players we don't know how much money the school's going to lose um but you kind of got to go big 12 because that'll i would imagine get oregon state the most money yeah i mean because if you look right now oregon state i think is set to make 36 million mm -hmm. big or uh, mountain west is like four to five million um where, wherever they end up it's going to be less so I, I don't know. Maybe you find a big booster that can step up. I know there's been a lot of talk if you can try to get the Nvidia yeah. founder, to uh, Jensen Huang, right? Yeah, to yeah. float the a, athletic department for a couple of years and go independent with Washington State. I don't know, but I, it's going to take some some money because mm -hmm. you have to pay the salaries, um, especially if Oregon State does what we think they could do this year, even actually, yeah. even with everything else not you know staying the same you know, t other teams are going to be looking to grab coaches and players. Mm -hmm. um, what would bring, this is another research beef 23 question. What would bring you greater joy? Another national baseball title or OSU making the college football playoffs? Ooh. CFP. I, I, Ooh, I don't even yeah. know about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a big baseball guy, but Oregon State football was like my first true love. You know, I uh, to be in that atmosphere. Plus, Oregon State's already won national championships, like three of them in baseball. Like three of them. <laughs> but to get that, <laughs> but to get that experience of, you know, playing in Georgia and Alabama, Michigan in the college football playoff and have that national attention on this program is really something they haven't had before. And I feel like that would be, I feel like it'd just be an amazing experience, especially as a student. And media. I, I wanna, yeah, well, that too. My, my yeah. sister-in-law lives in Atlanta, outside Atlanta, and she texted me today and her, um, her boyfriend is a big Georgia fan. And mm -hmm. she's like, we'd love to see Oregon State play Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. I'm like, yes, me too. Yeah, that'd be a fun trip. <laughs> um, here for the Beavs wants to know, will the student section be full for UC Davis? I think so. Um, I thought as long as I've been here, I thought Oregon State student section has been um, – has been really good. Um, school isn't started for another three weeks. Students won't be on campus till the 24th, I believe. Okay. But I'm expecting students. I feel like a lot of Oregon State students are in the Portland area and it's not that far. I'm expecting, uh, especially after, you know, what fans saw on Sunday's game, I think you're going to see a student section that's pumped and excited for um a, really what could be a special a special 2023 year so fraternity house, your your fraternity house are you planning on a bunch of the brothers being down yeah we got a a, a tailgate gone a few hours before so that should be pretty fun um rolling up until kickoff okay maybe that's where i have to go tailgate that would be bad <laughs> that would be bad well um, i mean it is friends and family so like it's okay. not like just it's like us sororities, friends, family, and all that okay. uh, jazz. Um, let's see. Um, Berto223, um, he said that he understands that the football coaches have guaranteed contracts. Is that just Smith or is that the all football coaches? I am not sure on that. I'm not sure off the top of my head, to be Actually, honest. Actually, I think they're guaranteed, but they're in like two-year increments, the assistant mm -hmm. coaches. so Yeah, because the assistants aren't under contract except for maybe coach m for yeah yeah they have two that's years a good deals, question yeah um let's see along those lines not sure how it works with ad's but barnes makes near a million dollars per year as mentioned in the past that's two times what the best mountain west ad's get if we end up mountain west would we expect barnes to take a pay cut or leave yeah, I mean, that's another one of those things. Another question. It's I just mean, an unknown right now. We don't um, know. We have, I mean, he has been, like, listed as a candidate for the Washington job. Uh, John Wilner put that. That's a possibility, I guess. But, again, odds that happens are probably pretty slim. Um, so, really, that's another thing where, I mean, there's just so many unknowns yeah. surrounding uh, not only the football program, but the university as a whole, um, and that's another one of them. Um, okay, let's see here. Para Beave. Okay, this is one. This is a good one because this was a bit hot topic. I don't like the new running clock rule and don't think Coach is a big fan based on his interview response, but I do think it plays into the style of offense that we play. What are your thoughts now that you've seen this new rule in action? Personally, I, I mean, I hate this rule. Uh, <laughs> I think it's just it's a way for them to play more ESPN and Fox yeah. doing what they've already been doing, which is ruined college sports. And now in, in, in no way should a football game that, that should take 
it, it's just mind boggling to me that that you're seeing an, an hour, an hour and a half of commercials in a two and a half, three hour game. And yeah. that just doesn't make sense. And if you're trying to make the games faster, don't change the rules, cut out commercials. But the Fox people, the ESPN people are just too greedy. And I saw one today really cut the, cut the commercials in half and charge double for them. Yeah. Make them, you know, cut yeah. the, the inventory. I thought what Chip Kelly said on Saturday during the, uh, during the, halftime interview that yeah, kind of yeah. hit the nail on the head and you know normally growing up i hated chip kelly uh he's had a know, lot of very wise words lately i've been a big fan of chip kelly over the last two months you know yeah. between his whole thoughts on the whole pac-12 thing to now his bashing of you know fox and espn i i'm now a chip kelly fan i mean i i have to have to agree with you okay so Para Beef also says, DJ, you is efficient, but can we talk about what an absolute monster Martinez is? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's funny because, as, as Beaver Bates says, it's funny because any other time, if it, if DJ didn't throw or, you know, have five touchdowns, we'd be easily talking about yeah. Martinez rushing for 150 yards. Yeah. I mean, a, a stat that kind of sticks out to me is every game Damien's p- played – or every game Damien's played healthy full-time – he has seven straight 100 yard games. If you take away that Florida game where he played the first drive, probably could have kept on playing, but there was no real reason to. He, ever since the, the Washington State game last year, 100 yards, 100 yards, 100 yards, 100 yards. And I, I think I think he may be the best running. I think when it's all said and done, he may be the best running back in program history. Okay. You said that before. That's about as bold as me last year saying that he would be as big of a freshman as As Jacob Yeah. Okay. So he's Jake Hedberg. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Hedberg Jake. I'm Angie Machado. You can follow me at Angie Machado one. We are gearing up for a big home opener week down in Corvallis. Jake and I will both be in attendance until next week. Join us at beaverblitz.com and we'll be back for another episode next Monday of the damn podcast. hottest show is fire country i'm not a hero i'm in orange for a reason they're taking 12 months off your sentence you're free lady with a special epic season finale now that i'm out i need something to get me up in the morning you are a firefighter you speak that will be unforgettable in the name of your life's happiness go get your girl she's getting married tomorrow says when do you let anything get in the way of what you want the fire country season finale friday 9 8 central on cbs and streaming on paramount plus